Hello, and welcome to PW's LitCast, a podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors of books about a wide range of topics, both fiction and nonfiction. I'm Lenny Picker, and today I'm speaking with author Lita Citron, whose success after service, How to Take Control of Your Job Search and Career After Military Duty, has been published by Kogan Page, the sponsor of today's podcast. Good afternoon, Lita. Good afternoon. Would you mind starting us out with just a brief excerpt from the book? Sure. Under the heading of Finding Your Passion, a few years ago, I coached a young man who was being medically discharged from the Army. He was leaving his military career many years before he had anticipated and had not prepared for a life and career out of uniform. He was admittedly overwhelmed with decisions. Each time I asked him about potential jobs and careers he might pursue, he'd reply with, yeah, I could do that. It seemed his choices were limitless. But I knew there were some things he'd want to do that he wouldn't be able to do for health reasons. I also knew there were things that he would be qualified to do or would know how to do, but he wouldn't want to do. I call this the just because you can doesn't mean you should rule. We discussed jobs he would hate to do. I asked him to list any occupation he thought sounded horrible. He started off with the guy who cleans up after the zoo animals, and he ended with working in a cubicle all day in a call center, talking to angry customers. As important as it is to dream about a career that excites you, it's equally important to be clear about what you don't want. If the thought of sitting behind a desk, answering upset customer calls and reading from a script of responses does not excite you, that's okay. By recognizing this, you're one step closer to discovering what you want to do. Using the call center example, be specific about which aspects of the work are really unappealing to you. Is it the fact that you'd be indoors and not outside? Do you despise talking on the phone? Or do you not like the idea of reading a set of scripted responses? At first pass, this exercise might lead you to believe that you shouldn't pursue any job that requires desk time or phone time or customer communication. But I'd suggest taking another pass with a more nuanced approach. Rather than eliminating an entire class of jobs, push yourself to get specific about what exactly doesn't appeal to you while also reflecting on what aspects of the job might actually suit you well. For instance, if you worked at a desk and engaged with customers who came to see you and needed your advice or help, would that be more attractive? If so, it's important to recognize that while you're uncomfortable serving angry people through a phone line, you actually might enjoy interacting with people in a helpful way. And this realization can help you find a role that best suits you. Thank you. And could you put that section in the broader context of the book as a whole, please? Sure. So one of the things we know about uh, men and women coming out of the military is that the structure of military promotion and job change is much more predictable and structured in the military. It's so much less structured and predictable in the civilian environment. So a lot of these men and women really haven't considered what kind of work they would like to do. They do the kind of work that they're trained to do. So the idea of having choice and option and opportunity can be overwhelming. And one of my suggestions is instead of considering all the things you could do, start off with the things you don't want to do, just as a place to get a baseline. So I, I know that this is not the first book you've you've written on the topic. Could you talk about what first got you interested in trying to help people uh, in the armed services transition to their life afterwards in the first place? 
Sure. Um, and, and I appreciate that question because I am not from the military community. I'm not prior military. No one in my family is. But I'm a civilian who enjoys a lot of freedoms and liberties living in this country. And I realized that I have a business helping executives and professionals build what's called a brand or a value proposition. But nobody was talking to veterans as they came out of the service about those same skills. So we were finding men and women taking the uniform off and being overwhelmed with choice or, you know, ineffective at, at explaining their past as it relates to their future. And I raised my hand and said, perhaps the skill that I have and this technique that I teach would be valuable. And it turns out that it was exactly what the market needed. And that was about 11 years ago that I that I started doing this kind of work. And uh, if I remember correctly, this is your third book that's dealing with the topic. Can you talk about the ways in which it differs from your prior two? Sure. So the first book I wrote for the military called Your Next Mission was all about personal branding. It was how do you find your value proposition, figure out who you are in the world and and build a reputation that's intentional. Kogan Page approached me a year ago and said, there really isn't a book in the marketplace that talks about start to finish, how does somebody approach transition? What are the first things you need to be thinking about? Obviously, the personal branding layer is important, but there's so many tactical and strategic choices that these men and women have to make, and there was no one guide that set that out. So that's really what we crafted here. The second book I had written after Your Next Mission was really directed more towards employers. So it was a, a just a guide to help employers understand how to interview and hire veterans. But this book, I think it's just a perfect complement to the others because it, it provides that roadmap. If you're 18 to 24 months out before separation or retirement, these are the things you need to be thinking about now. And the book also does something that's unique in the market. It it, it examines the path forward after military, including employment, obviously, but it considers education and entrepreneurship. So under one book, we have you know three different paths that the reader can explore, and then it takes them all the way through deciding on which job, how do you accept a job, what does onboarding look like, and when it's time to leave, how do you professionally exit a position and choose a different position. These are all skills and, and steps that are not communicated to our veterans. And so that's what this book really addresses. And are the challenges that veterans face in separating from service and going into civilian work in a completely different category from, say, people who are first responders, fire, police, uh, where they're going from civilian institutions, but ones that are sort of fairly regimented, that can in circumstances have moments of intense energy and pressure and risk, and also a lot of sort of downtime and road and routine. Are there any parallels there? Or am I uh, misthinking? Oh, I think the ones you pointed out are, are obvious parallels, right? I mean, the nature of the work is very untraditional when you think about traditional being corporate or business. But I think what makes the the layer of military service a little more unique is the fireman or the police officer goes home to his family at night, hopefully, and is, is back in that civilian environment. In a typical military environment, they might be going and living on base. They might be you know deployed or living around the world. And so it tends to be a little more isolating and insular to that community. But to, to what you bring up, the sense of camaraderie and family 
uh, culture that is unique to those, you know, just extraordinary fields of work, I think would ring true. And can you talk sort of generally about historically the kind of jobs that members of the service have gone into after separation? In my experience, uh, working with thousands of transitioning service members and veterans, what I've heard and the research I've seen has has pointed to those obvious paths, right? Government work or in the defense industry, where they're actually working with the companies that produce the materials that they used while they were a soldier or an airman. So those are sometimes the more obvious. And, and because of that, you will find a lot of military personnel in those types of companies. So it, it can feel more natural. It can feel more familiar, even though nothing about it is familiar. But what we're seeing more recently is veterans taking those skills and experiences and character traits, the hard and soft skills, into careers like the creative fields or finance, healthcare, technology, where the qualities that they bring, right, those, those leadership skills, problem-solving skills, ability to prioritize and work under high-stress environments – translate so beautifully, they just might need a few certifications or a little bit of upskilling in, in a you know, particular area, but their personality traits, their character traits are just showing tremendous success. There really is no job that a veteran is precluded for because they, they were in the military. And that's an often misunderstood um, trait. So when people talk about employment today, one of the natural things that comes up is the future of employment across the board, not just, you know, blue collar, but white collar jobs as well, with the increased capacities of artificial intelligence. How does that trend play into specifically the challenges that former service members face? I think it reflects challenges, but also opportunity, because oftentimes you will come across somebody who's prior military who may have used those AI tools or that sophisticated technology in a combat zone or in a real life environment and compare them to someone who might have studied it in school or have used it in more of a, you know, an academic setting. The future is as open for them as it is for anyone. I think what's interesting right now, as employers are looking at the landscape to understand what this new workforce is going to look like, that you have even more traits coming from our prior military community around resiliency and adaptability and flexibility and leadership that maybe a year ago were nice to have, but now they're critical. And that's where I'm starting to see companies really look to those prior military audiences to bring that into the environment and say, look, I need you to work with this team and help them understand that, you know, the sky isn't falling. We're going to get through this. We're just working differently. And that's really bringing some fabulous skills from these men and women into the, into the civilian workplace. So, I mean, you spoke of resiliency, which is obviously a vital uh, quality to have during these times. But one of the things that people experience uh, during uh, the pandemic and during a lot of people working remotely is sort of social isolation. And given that in the armed services, especially whether they're in combat or on a mission, there is that, you know, camaraderie and direct, you know, living with your platoon day in, day out under harsh conditions. Does that create more of a challenge or is that just... Because, again, 
for people who have families, you know, they're going through remote work, they're going through the pandemic with at least some of their loved ones in proximity and contact. And I'm just wondering if it's more of a challenge for for veterans. I, I mean, I think you bring up a great point, and it's one that that employers are paying attention to with their prior military employees, because there is such a bond, right? And and that bond is is in person, it's online, they're very, very protective, and, and they take care of each other. So now isolating everyone is stressful. It's stressful for everyone, but it's particularly stressful for a community that's used to a lot of interpersonal contact. But that's really where the opportunity for employers to just check in maybe a few more times with a veteran employee, open that dialogue, ask them how they're doing. Those are good practices regardless, but given the isolation and potential for you know depression and, and concern, those would be certainly steps to take is just check in with them a little bit more, um, bring them into conversations where their leadership skills and their problem solving skills can keep those, those synapses firing and, 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 you know, they feel engaged in, in contributing and leverage situations that they have had stress in the past to help them share with others how to move through it. And, and sometimes being a cheerleader or being an advocate for what could be positive becomes self-fulfilling, right? You, you convince yourself that, that this is a positive situation and that's where their resilience can really help. But of course, like any workforce, um, these are men and women who are used to completing a mission. They're used to being, you know, forward leaning at all times and solving problems and, and moving agendas forward. And being a little isolated can be challenging. They're also, for many of them, home with their families now. So if they've exited the military, they may not be used to as much family time. So just those those same check-ins that an employer would do regardless are very important for prior military. As you put this book together, was there something that when you finished it, you know, turned it into the final product to your publisher, you sort of thought about it and said, you know, I'm really surprised to find X? You know, I love that question. I'm always surprised when I when I work in this community because I think I know so much and then they humble me that I know nothing. Um, I always write for the military with a person in mind, right? So it's a face, it's a conversation, it's a, a, a coaching session that I'm I'm relying on. But I think in this case, it's it's just knowing that no matter how many words I can put on a page, it's still never going to be enough to take somebody out of a culture and a community and a work style that is so specific and ensure that they will hit the ground running the day they take the uniform off and they put on a business suit. But I really am, am proud of this book because so many people shared stories and they let me use their names, their personal journeys, their trials and tribulations and what they wish they had known that they realized afterwards. All of that's in this book. And I think that's what I'm most proud of is um, just being able to rally so many people in support of helping those who are coming behind know that it, there is a way, there is a way forward and uh, others have, have gone ahead and, and left their stories here. So I think it's going to be a really powerful resource for a long time. And one of the things you speak about, and this obviously would apply to, you know, a job candidate uh, coming from any field, is really, you know, taking responsibility for presenting yourself and advocating for yourself, and also demonstrating how 
a certain skill is translatable to a, com a completely different field. But I'm wondering from the perspective of society uh, as a whole, do you find that Prospective employers or just, you know, people you speak to in the course of, you know, everyday life have some pretty large misconceptions about members of the military that could perhaps unconsciously impact, uh, you know, either where people are recruiting or just lead to unconscious biases that provide yet another obstacle for finding a job. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I think 11 years ago when I first started working in this space, I think they were more. I think the the awareness, the um, understanding that a lot of employers have for what it means when you see military service on a resume has gotten much better, but it's still not perfect. In the same way that our you know our veterans are approaching the job market with perhaps some unconscious biases or or judgments, the same is coming the other direction. Uh, you know, for instance, there are still employers who see military service and worry about things like PTSD or chain of command issues or, you know, a reluctance to be part of a team, always wanting to lead the team. Those are those are archaic misperceptions, but they still exist um, until every single person in a hiring position can go through the training to understand who this man or woman is sitting in front of them. It's naturally going to be there. Has the military itself gotten better in terms of giving guidance and helping with the transitions to civilian life? Has it gotten better? I would I would have to hope that it's gotten better. Um, I would is it perfect? Not at all. I heard it said years ago that the military's job is to train civilians how to be military veterans. You know, one day, but the civilian market is where we can teach them how to be civilians. And, and personally, for my approach, I've always worked with the corporate sector. While I teach on installations or I'll teach, you know, through a different transition assistance program, my focus is on employers because they're the ones who want this workforce when they come out of service. So while the military teaches them how to be a service member, employers can, you know, really rally around the tools and resources and systems that are going to help them be better employees when they exit. And, and that's, that's where the power is because that's where the employer wins and the veteran wins and, and everybody's happy. So you've been giving advice to members in the military for well over a decade. Uh, is there an important piece of advice that you've tried to get across that you found has been the most challenging to really be uh, adopted by the people you're speaking to or guiding? I think it starts with how we talk about ourselves, right? As you alluded to earlier, the military is a very strong set of values. And one of the primary values is service before self. So as somebody who's in the military, you're taught not to take credit and, and, and accolades for what you do, but to take responsibility and accountability. And that's fabulous. It's a wonderful service before self is an amazing value, but it doesn't translate when you come into the civilian sector where self-promotion, self-actualization, all of those things are really important. And I start conversations when I teach this program in that space, because that's the biggest resistance. They're afraid of being arrogant. They don't want to look like, you know, they're brown nosing or they're bragging, but they have to understand that if they can't talk about themselves, if they can't use I and not we all the time, 
that that's going to create a disconnect with a hiring manager or an investor or a business partner who doesn't understand why you're not proud of what you've done. Of course, they're proud of what they've done, but it feels to somebody from the military like they're taking credit for the service of others if they speak in first person. And from there, there's a whole cascade of problems that come with that. One thing I do think has gotten better, and when I was researching this book, it was over and over repeated to me, is that networking used to be a really hard conversation for me to have. And more and more, they're getting familiar with it. Whether it's online networking or in-person relationship building, that concept has gotten much better. And many of the people who shared examples for success after service talked about getting jobs, getting leads, getting great insight, identifying blind spots because they had built up their network. And these people could confide in them and advocate and endorse them. So that used to be a challenge but it has gotten much better. Talking about themselves, being comfortable speaking in first person, I think is still a little bit of a challenge. All right. Well, you've done some valuable work, and I know you'll continue to do so. Uh, thank you for your time today. Thank you, listeners. Uh, the book, again, is Success After Service, How to Take Control of Your Job Search and Career After Military Duty, published again by Kogan Page. This is Lenny Picker for LitCast. Please join us again soon for the next episode.